Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ, dealing with negative eight temperatures for tomorrow. And folks, let me tell you, uh, as cool as it is to have nearly 10 inches of snow uh, on the ground and my little Keyshawn uh, loving every second of it, um, it's cold. And the one of the best things to do when it's stinking cold like this is to stay indoors, watch basketball and do basketball podcasts. And I am doing that with my good friend and uh, over there in Denver, Colorado, Round Ball Ramble and Swish Theory and everywhere else. Corbin Ford. Corbin, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Always happy to talk hoops here with y'all. Um, cold. But other than that, no complaints. I, I like how I was the one who was like, oh, it's so cold. And then like I heard two other temperatures that have been colder than mine. And now I'm like, eh. Still kind of chilly. <laughs> hey, look, it's we're all on the same page as we talked about before we got started here. Uh, Vivek Jacob is also here of Sportsnet, among many other places. I mean, I am called the sports renaissance man here, but Vivek is a little bit of a sports renaissance man himself, covering all kinds of sports as well. So excited to have Vivek, one of my favorite free, uh, freelance writers, going right now. Hi, Rebecca. Let him write for you. Let him write for your uh, paper, magazine, whoever, because he's very good. I've been reading Vivek for several years now. So Vivek, good evening, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much uh, for having me on. And, you know, as part of the brand, I do have the Australian Open tennis on right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so happy Love to it. talk some basketball with some tennis on in the background. I have no, I don't know. I can't speak for Corbin, but when I tell you, like, I, the sports renaissance man, I know a lot, a little bit about a lot. I know nothing about tennis. Like it's aggressively not in my wheelhouse. I was kicked out of tennis camp when I was in first grade because I had a propensity to 
hitting the ball over the fence. I didn't, I like baseball and I didn't really like the whole keeping it in the line. So I kept launching that uh, bad boy over the, where the Olympics was. So we, uh, I'm from Atlanta and we had the 1996 Olympics. So they built all these different tennis courts all around the city for like the, I don't know what to call it trials or the, I, I don't know what to, before they got into it, but like there was all these different venues right. that you go to before. So and one of them was by my house uh, growing up and they had a tennis camp and it was super nice. And that was what the complex was built uh, for was just the Olympics. So it's just been there for years and years after the Olympics left. Um, but yeah, it did not go well. So that was my lone venture into tennis. Did you play tennis growing up, Vivek? Or is it just something you liked watching, got into? What What is the... It's it's actually the first sport I played because my oh. dad used to play it. Huh. And so that's kind of how I got into it. And then sort of all the other stuff came along but yeah tennis is uh kind of my first love when it comes to sports so long attachment to it there you go well uh we will not be talking about tennis on this very program but if you'd like to <laughs> talk tennis uh and you're listening to this very program uh reach out to Vivek he will talk tennis because Corbin and I will not be able to do so on your podcast what we will be able to do is talk about the NBA and what is going on right now we didn't know if we were gonna have Vivek tonight because uh the Toronto Raptors after um the Raptors and uh Vivek I don't know I'm an Atlanta sports guy Atlanta original and uh DeJounte Murray has been in trade rumors forever (laughs) seemingly now and John Collins is right there before and I think there's a lot of actual like parallels between Collins and Pascal um over the last couple years with their respective teams but He's been floating. It feels like we've talked about on this program, Corbin, many times that what the Raptors were going to do for about Pascal Siakam. But it seems like we're in the end stages of a Pascal Siakam move um, potentially to the Pacers. When you look at the parameters right now, as it stands, Vivek, is this the best deal the Raptors could get for Pascal at this time? And do you think now is the time to move Pascal Siakam? So... I think in terms of the package for Pascal on an expiring contract, this is a pretty good deal. You you obviously you get Bruce Brown um, as the key salary component, um, and obviously Bruce Brown can play. Um, and then you get the three first round picks, and then I think what will determine how good this deal is is what that salary filler is. Is it just you know Buddy Hill getting thrown in and? boom you're there in terms of the salaries or do you get uh one of the young pieces is there an andrew nembard is there a benedict matherin is there a jairus walker and i think that will kind of determine whether or not uh you know uh the raptor side feels like uh they've come out on top in this deal uh you know in terms of what's the best route to take for the raptors I've been on the side that you should be looking to extend Pascal Siakam. I thought they should have Mm. extended him in the summer, even if it was to deal him later down the line. Because I do think part of why you've maybe received some underwhelming trade packages is because he is potentially a rental. Mm. He's had reports leak that, you know, he won't commit to any team and that he will enter free agency and that inherent risk is something that teams probably don't want to take on and will as a result only give up so much so for me i thought the front office fumbled the bag when hmm. this summer he became ineligible for the supermax because he didn't make an all nba team and to me that should have been a neon green light it's like <laughs> hey pascal siakam is not a supermax player but he is a regular max player and so 
once the Supermax was out of the equation, I thought it was a no-brainer to get that extension done. And then, you know, if, if you come down the line and you say, hey, a year from now, we got to move on, whatever it is, you have that flexibility because guess what? He's on contract. You you mentioned DeJounte Murray. Guess what? No one's re- no one really cares about what DeJounte Murray wants because he's already inked an extension. Yeah. <laughs> And and the Raptors could have put themselves in that position, but they haven't. And so mm. right now, when you look at the threat of him potentially leaving in free agency versus, you know, getting three first round picks plus potentially, hopefully another young piece, I, I think you have to strongly consider it. Does that uh, feel right to you, Corbin? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, like you said, I don't like I was going to say a historical form of the bag, given wherever he ends up. Right. Um, Indiana, maybe. I don't know. But like point being, yeah, it's again a, a trend we've seen from Toronto the last couple of years. So multiple opportunities with pending free agents where I guess they have no idea what they want to do, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like we're going to hold on to them. But we don't know if we want to keep them or we're not going to shout the money for them or we're not going to trade them when they're at their values at all time high. And I get like a sense of nostalgia in a way, but I just feel like it's a misplaced sense of timing when it comes to your players and just knowing them. You know, I mean, even looking at um, Kyle Lowry, like he could have had something for him like trade deadline two years ago. And when I say that, I don't mean like he just like ended trading him, but like I remember it was all set up. He even had like the goodbye to the cameras and everything that was like, all right, it's done. It's an all but done deal. And then traded line goes and, co- and passes like, oh, I guess it is. And so, yeah, just echoing much of what Vivek said, but it just feels like not really understanding your, I don't want to say personnel, but just understand as people like, do they want to stay? Do they not want to stay? I think everyone, their mama knows what Pascal Siakam feels in terms of extensions and being in Toronto or going somewhere else. So at this point, what are we doing? I, only Usai knows that, I guess. The only thing I'll quickly add there is beyond knowing your personnel, it's also I think they misread the market with Fred Van Vliet. Hmm. I didn't I don't think they anticipated Houston coming after him the way they did. Why do you think that and, is? Um I think they, you know, they, I think they expected Houston to make the James Harden play. And mm-hmm. so I don't I just don't think they saw them as contenders for Fred. Uh, I think they expected maybe a run from Orlando. Um, and and I think that's something that just kind of caught them off guard. And again, that's on the front office. You have to be able to anticipate that. And and that was a failure on their part. Or And as well as, you know, how high Houston was able to go. Do you think the same thing could potentially happen here? Because it's that, as a recording late on a Tuesday, the trade has not gone through. Um, I mean, is it is part of it just because you lost... Fred VanVleet for nothing and you kind of misread the market and you had an opportunity to trade Fred VanVleet for a pretty good value um, at the trade deadline because he could have helped a lot of contenders. Toronto obviously was not going to be a contender last year, the last of the Nick Nurse run. And it was just kind of like it felt like a the last of an era um, for the Toronto Raptors and also a great era because, look, Masai deserves a lot of the benefit of the doubt here. I mean, he's been bold before, obviously, with the Kawhi trade and it paid off, but he's also been very loyal. And he's been very careful in mixing and matching uh, a lot of his guys. He's, I mean, they deserve credit. They built Fred VanVleet up. That That is a huge win for them. Uh, Scotty Barnes, to this point, looks like he is going to be developed into a very, very good perennial all-star in Toronto. Pascal Siakam is a huge development win in Toronto. You'll have some misses like the Gary Trent to the world, who's also been on the trade block forever. But like, hey, maybe a little bit better with the coaching changes than the other coaches will always have favorites. Some guys like I'm dealing with it right now, Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder's a good coach, but guess what? A.J. Griffin getting DMP CDs. So I don't know if that means A.J. Griffin 
is not the guy, but it just might not be a good fit, you know, and it might be somewhere else. So all that to say, I just I wonder with Masai, how much of it is loyalty um, to these guys that they developed and just kind of want to do right by and how much of it is because he might be misreading the market and misunder like I I don't want to say misunderstanding, but just kind of not handling this weird middle ground of not contention kind of on the playoff bubble and just you got to you got to decide Masai unfortunately the NBA life comes at you fast you've got to make quick very difficult decisions on guys like Van Vliet and Pascal and you just can't let this get to the finish line yeah I think that's actually a very difficult question to answer because of their actions Mm. and so on the one side you know you say hey is it you know, trying to time it right, uh, uh, or is it the loyalty? And then when you look at the loyalty aspect, like Fred Van Vliet went on the Woj pod and Mm. said, hey, when I went for my meeting, it wasn't exactly a sales pitch. Mm. And this is a guy that you've had right from the get-go who came through the Raptors 905, won a championship in the D-League, what was then the D-League, now the G-League, won that championship, he was part of that lovable bench mob uh, with Pascal Siakam and mm-hmm. Jakob Pertl and DeLon Wright. Um, and then, obviously, they go win a championship together. Like These should be two of the best stories that this franchise has. And they could both potentially be walking out the door for nothing. And potentially, you know, I, I won't call it fractured relationships because they, you know, I mean, that championship is forever. Yeah. Um, but it is bittersweet if if it were to play out that way. And even the, even the way it's played out over the summer, like when I showed up in media day and both Masai and Pascal revealed that they didn't have a single conversation all summer about an extension, I was like, what is going on? How, <laughs> how is that possible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I get that, you know, Scotty is now the face of the franchise and everything is directed to him. But mm. you also don't need to be so blatant about it. Like, you know, there, there's the Raptors have this show open gym and, you know, there, there's film of Masai on the phone, just flat out after acquiring Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett saying, Hey, quickly, like we see you as a perfect fit next to Scotty, you and Scotty, that's the team going forward. Like, even if you think, that you're going to move on from Pascal. Like, why are you putting this out in the open? Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like you're aggressively reminding him that he's not a part of the long-term pa- long uh, term plans, but it's like, you still just won't move him. So it's like, wh- yeah, what are we doing? Like, it, just move me. If you're not a part of the plans, like also your value, like you just, just move him. Like, it's just one of those things. <laughs> I think if you end up doing this Pacers deal, I think that's a huge win for uh, Toronto. And Here's the scary part. I wonder, and we can end uh, the this part of it here, Vivek. But I just, I think the scary part to me, if you're a Raptors fan, is look, you've got Scotty. He's a cornerstone pin, uh, bench, or cornerstone piece to this to this puzzle. However, that's just that's the only long term solution you have right now. And you're looking at the rest of this roster. You were playing six, seven guys the last couple of years with Nick Nurse. It wasn't like you were developing a bunch of guys behind him and that there is all this help on the horizon. You'll get some help in this Pascal deal, depending on what ends up happening here. But you're going to be back wandering the wilderness. You'll be back like in the bottom, not the Pistons level, I don't think. But 
life is going to come at the Raptors fast once they make this flip. So I wonder if Masai is up for that. Is it is he up for a long-term rebuild? Because I think if you do this, there's no more living in the middle like they've done and tried to balance that after this. Once Pascal's gone, you lost Van Fleet, no Lowry, no Kawhi. Like, you're just, you're at the bare bones here. And I think there's a the entire huge drop-off. The entire is gone. Right? Like, you're going to be bad. And I, there's just no telling in the NBA how bad and how long it's going to be. So I wonder if Raptors fans, and maybe that's part of why Masai's been so careful here. Yeah, no, that's a completely fair point. Corbin, I don't know if you wanted to touch on this first at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I, I feel like it's, well, I'm with, I guess, Chase in this way. It's like, it's, it's confusing to me. I yeah. think of the fact that like, they're not in a situation where, again, they're not in a situation where this is of any benefit to either of them, right? Mm-hmm. I think it doesn't do Pascal any good. It doesn't do the Raptors any good. If you look at the team, I feel like they've been better as of late, kind of up and down. I mean, I've only been like seriously watching them for the last two weeks. I've been watching them throughout the season, but like, I feel like been marked a little bit better since the Knicks trade, of course. Right. But mm, like, all yeah. in all, this is a team that's going to go what second round of the playoffs. Let's, let's get them in the playoffs first. Right. So yeah. like, ultimately, what are you doing? You know? And I, I do think it's, it's just confusing. I mean, I'm listening right now, even when you mentioned Vivek about how you don't have any conversations at all during the off season, like in my mind, you know, you have a situation where the communication isn't there. You have, um, when the Raptors and Kings um, played, what, a couple weeks ago, like January 5th, uh, the Raptors visited the Kings, and Masai Ujiri and Bobby West Webster were there. Apparently, right after that, like, talks kind of ended, and they're asking Siakam about it. Like, it's just awkward and weird, and, like, I, I don't know what what is the point here, you know? And then, I don't know. I mean, apparently, I, I guess my next question, I mean, it's kind of on a future point we're going to talk about with um, the Kings. It's like, okay, so where does he go? What does the trade look like? Because where is his value? Like, obviously, Pascal Siakam is a very skilled, very good player, two-time All-Star, you know, two-time All-NBA. Like, he's a guy who can really help you. Now, he also needs a specific fit to kind of really, truly shine. Um, But, like, you've also been kind of dampening his trade value while also making it very clear that he is probably not going to be in Toronto Threads next year. So I'm I'm just listening to so many insight here, Vivek, because I don't understand – um, the ultimate end game here and then ultimately I guess my biggest question is like what is the ultimate trade package for him because I've heard like three first round picks you hear other things tossed around it's like I, I, I I'm just unsure as to what Toronto was attempting to do outside of making it clear that he is not the future which that's fine I'm not upset with that it's just a weird way to to say it yeah no I hear that when you look towards the future uh for the Raptors you fully expect uh Emmanuel quickly to be signed to a long-term deal he's a restricted free agent so obviously having traded for him you expect uh the Raptors to match any offer that'll be out there for him RJ Barrett uh is under contract Jakob Pertl is under contract so that's kind of the the trio that you're looking at uh moving forward and beyond that I think that's can I just why- say that's bad in the east that's a team that's <laughs> losing a lot of games folks like that's not good like i like emmanuel quickly i'm man marty bear but i'm like that's a bad team that team's not scoring well that the uh, that, team, that team's just bad offense like, will be fun to watch and by fun i mean like how it works I just want to see how that <laughs> but also like and, isn't and pascal like the perfect fit in indiana where it's like that as someone who has been blitzed and watched the hawks get absolutely blitzed by the pacers multiple times this year where they're just they're just completely overwhelmed at just the the high vol- high energy nature that he's uh that Rick Carlisle has uh put together in Indiana 
and just no positions like guys are just running around and some are big some are small and you're just never knowing where the ball is getting whipped around to you're not it's just the most positionless basketball group you'll see on a night-to-night basis pascal is the ultimate fit there where it's like it doesn't really matter because he's just not a natural four not a natural three whatever rick's not going to care and rick's going to put him in a position where he's just gonna he's just gonna thrive and just make life uh a living hell for uh a lot of teams just like they've done all year just because it's that that scheme just feels like a good fit for him and them doing him a solid yeah i think indiana is a no-brainer fit especially you you factor in miles turner as a big that can space the floor Mm -hmm. I, i think that makes a huge i think that's part of why you know in terms of scotty and pascal if if there was a spacing big like if you were to say for example just put miles turner on the raptors instead of Jakob mm-hmm. Pertl, all of a sudden that makes so much more sense and is so much more fluid right um and i think that has uh, presented a bit of an issue uh and, and so we'll have to see how that works out but you know part of why i think in any Pascal deal, the Raptors need more than just picks is again, to fill out the roster with guys who are ready to play. Right. And I think when you look at the backup positions, yeah. Okay. So you've got Dennis Schroeder as a backup point guard. He is a solid NBA backup uh, Mm -hmm. at the point guard position. Um, Gary Trent Jr. is going to be a free agent. Uh, Jalen McDaniels has not been it. He has not panned out at all. Uh, You've got Chris Boucher at the four. Uh, Jonte Porter has been playing. Uh, well, he just re- the last game he started the last game because Jakob Pertl is out and Christian Coloco has a respiratory issue that there is no timeline on. And so wow. the Raptors are going to need, I think, at least one or two guys who are ready to play beyond just the picks. Uh, and so that's something that, that that is important in evaluating whatever comes back for Pascal in terms of. Fits, yeah, I'd put Indiana at the top. Uh, I'd also say Dallas would be an interesting fit. Um, I think I think he would slot in really well next to Kyrie and Luca. Uh, yeah. And then you know you've got Derek Lively at the five. They've got so much shooting. I think that, that that's the thing, right? Like if yeah. you look at a team that has shooting, then he's going to be a seamless fit. OKC, like OKC, you've got all those picks. You know, it, if you're willing to throw in like a case in Wallace or whoever it might be, like they can get in there if they want to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they probably feel great about where they are and where things are headed. Um, but if they wanted to, I think they could absolutely get get in the mix, which is ironic because for years now the Raptors fans have been just praying to somehow find a way to steal Shea Gilgis Alexander away from OKC, but obviously that's not happening. <laughs> no. Um, pivoting, you mentioned the Kings here a little bit, Corbin. Corbin, um, who is the right trade partner for Harrison Barnes? It obviously is ending here uh, with him as the the long term answer with, at the four. And I forgot who we were talking to. Maybe it was maybe it was Jackson last week, uh, Jackson Lloyd, who m- mentioned that like the Kings need their version of Aaron Gordon next to Sabonis. Where like finding the right guy next to Jokic took some time, but they found it. And Aaron Gordon catapulted them to. Uh, being a real, real contender and obviously win the title and now a perennial contender. Who is that? And can they use Harrison Barnes to facilitate that guy to find the right match at the four next to Simonis? who's just kind of, he's still a great player, still an all-star player, but I just think it's really hard to find another Aaron Gordon in this league to uh, make this a seamless fit and to cover up a lot of uh, the, not the huge weaknesses because Simonis is still a great player, but the, things that uh, he, the natural limitations of Sabonis at this point in his NBA career. 
Yeah, I mean, that's I hate to go back to Pascal Siakam. I don't really hate to do that, but like I would like Siakam there. Like I think that he would kind of fit again that same role. Like you have, I mean, Siakam was better at that role than I think Aaron Gordon was when they both were individually there. But like a guy who athletic, you know, can kind of do the little things, has some high level passing, can definitely you know, be put upon to score. I think Siakam was more versatile than Aaron Gordon was. Like, Aaron Gordon's three-point shot always kind of came and went. But he had a pretty decent post-game mid-range. Was there. But, like, in Denver, he's able to use that. Like, he's able to be in the perfect position where if they need more scoring, opportunistically, like, he's able to get – we saw in the NBA Finals last year, I think, most of all, where he had a couple of games where it's, okay, you're going to put your small guy on me. Like, I can still put the ball in the hoop. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I just may not be good at, as good at it as others on the team. But, like – He's very good there in the op- in the space that he was playing with and a great, most like all-time cerebral passer in Jokic unlocked additional. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. ...of Gordon's game, but Gordon could also bring the ball up. Gordon could also initiate offense. Like, he was kind of in that quasi, you know, initiated role in Orlando for years before you know, coming to Denver. And he was, yes, miscast in that role, but in spurts, solid. And I think Siakam is like that on a better level. You know, I think they're both iffy under three-point shot. Like, both are just not really consistently good there. But, like, individually scoring, rebounding, facilitating. Like, Pascal does all of that. And you're in a position where you have the spacing around you and the constant motion that you can get the ball and go in transition, that you're able to capitalize on the defense having to, you know, fan out to stop your array of shooters around you. You know, in similar high-low passing with, DeMontis Sabonis, similar interior, you know, I don't know. I'm not even sure the word I'm trying to say. Magic. There we go. Magic. There it came. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I think that would be a nice, that's a fit I would like. Um, If only because the the Kings are fun, like, but I really think defensively that four spot is interesting. And and, and mind you, Keegan Murray is there, but you could play him at a three, I feel. And if you have a lineup where you have 
you know, Fox and you Sabonis and Keegan and um, Siakam, that's some good size. That's some good spacing. Whoever you slide the two, you know, at that point. Um, the question I think is more what package do you send back to Toronto that go that makes Toronto go, okay, like we like this, you know, because you're you're not getting Keegan Murray, right? That, that's just not what Toronto's going to get. And I don't think you can really make a case for Davion Mitchell right now. I was like, hey, you know. So mm-hmm. is it, if it's matching salary, I mean, you do have Harrison Barnes. You do have Kevin Herter. Like, you do have people, Davon Mitchell, have to dump in some picks. And you still have to hope that Toronto likes that. And I think that there are other packages, Indiana, that can offer more. But that would be the perfect fit for me. I mean, Harrison Barnes is someone who's like, I don't know. He's that contract he had, what, over this past summer, three years, $54 million? Like, it's not super great for, for Sacramento right now. He's... Definitely taking a step back this season. He's a good spot-up shooter. At least he's sort of decent. Every time I watch him, he seems to not be able to shoot. But, like, for the most part, we know he has uh, a consistent track record of being a decent shooter. He's entered, like, uh, the Jeff Green part of his career, right? Where it's time for Harrison Barnes to bounce around as a good locker room, three-point shooter, rotation guy. But also, like, he's he should not be one of your five closers. Like, that, that yeah. chip has sailed. He's, he's just, just But he's valuable. Like, Harrison Barnes is still going to be in this league for several more years. I just don't think you can I just don't think he can be that guy if the Kings are looking to get to that next level. I think it's just he's now miscast in his role. And with Keegan coming on and getting better, Herter, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. There's just weird rotation stuff where Damian Mitchell is like in and out. Like I don't know what Mike Brown they're like there are teams around the league where you can just tell, like when you're watching League Pass, they're like I, they don't know who their best five is right now. Like they, they well, yeah. they're just picking the Kings are an ultimate, they have no idea who their best five is any given I- night. And it's true. Golden I mean, State's I, giving them a run for their money. Oh my god! <laughs> well, speaking of Golden right. State, Kaminga's yeah. actually like would make a lot of sense in Sacramento. Like that would be a high and interesting flyer. Give him a lot of opportunity. You reunite Barnes back in Golden State. I don't hate Kaminga mm. being given a runway to play next to somebody like uh, Sabonis long term. I just don't think the Warriors ownership has any desire yeah. to let him go. Like they seem super high on him. Someone yeah. I would, you know, throw out there mm. as I think a solid plan B to Siakam. Mm. And especially if, you know, if the assets you're giving up are Barnes and uh, Herder. And... It'd probably be Herder, right? I think Herder is going to have to be part of the package. Yeah, yeah it, if, if that's the type of package, I think someone who might be more attainable um, might be Jeremy Grant. Huh. Interesting. And he just became trade eligible Jan 15th after he mm-hmm. that extension. If you look at the way the cap projects, it's really not that bad a contract. Mm-hmm. And you get this wing defender that you need has really improved his individual scoring ability, can clearly be a third guy behind Fox and Sabonis, mm-hmm. um, and can probably settle in nicely in that 3-4 spot next to Keegan Murray. And I think... Uh, you know, uh, again, as a guy who can knock down the three ball, defend the opposing team's best wing, like I, I think that's that's a nice fit, um, and you know, probably more realistic for that type of package. I hadn't uh, yeah. considered him, but I I don't hate that. And I mean, a fun game to play with your friends. Uh, I don't know if y'all can do this, but uh, who's on the Blazers is uh is a fun thing right now because some of those you'll see and you're like I have no idea who this is I like to just believe the whole I, who he played for yes it's just the Blazers and then after the trade deadline it's only going to get worse the Blazers are just they're not real the the Portland Trail but there's a Ryan Rupert right now a uh, yeah, Justin Manaya Jabari Walker mm-hmm. a Kamara 
to my yep. To, there's to just some guys that were like, I, I believe you. I guess like that. That sounds right. Um, but yeah, no, I don't hate that. I don't hate Jeremy Grant there. I had not considered him, and I think that's an also realistic package. And I wonder because they also have kind of an overflow of guard depth. Like, do you? Get, be like, hey, you, we we know you're not going to go with Anthony Simons, Scoot Henderson, and company. Um, Shane Sharp and Shane yeah. Sh- Shane Sharp. Can we have Anthony Simons in this type of deal? Like, I know you like it, but like, can we also get him? And then you're really cooking. I mean, you'd have to give it some picks and stuff. But it's like the Kings are at a point where you need to see, be in the playoffs every year and be working to get better. You finally broke the playoff streak. That needs to be the mo. These fans have been waiting on this forever. You just need to maximize the window of Fox and Sabonis. And see what happens. Just keep trying to upgrade around the edges. You got Murray, who looks like a winner, um, early in the draft. So look, that's your team. Just keep keep taking uh, big swings and see what happens. Um, because look, they you just you could be where the Hawks and the Raptors are. You could, or you know, Corbin's Lakers. Just wandering oh, whoa, the wilderness, whoa, whoa, the NBA whoa. wilderness. <laughs> uh, you saw us. We had a good win against the Thunder. Okay, for the record, I think part of that is uh, see now. I'm sorry, I have to say something. Okay, so Darvin Ham right now is finally playing a lineup that I mean, for whatever reason, he hasn't really gone to since opening night. Mm-hmm. That I think is better. Um, for the record, I think the Lakers. Are at this point in time, like I feel like the West is wide open. Like the Lakers, I think can play against any team, with the exception of the Denver Nuggets. Like I just yeah. don't. It's just they're just not a good matchup for them on, on just various levels. But aside from that, it's like just not messing around. Like you had a lineup with zero shooting and LeBron and AD, and you tried that out, and then you had you know you're playing Jared Vanderbilt and and um, Cam Reddish heavy minutes as like your wing shooters, and they don't shoot. Like it's just a lot going on there. Listen, I think Lakers are going to figure it out. I, I just, I think my one concern is that they go making drastic moves at the deadline, which I don't think that they seem to be going to do, but you never know. Um, because this lineup, I think, just needs some continuity and some actual decent strategic coaching. That, that's kind of my line. And and maybe some additional, um, I guess, awareness of the fact that, listen, like you can't just throw everything on LeBron AD at this stage in time and be okay carry us with whatever lineup like no there needs to be some infrastructure there offensively defensively mix and match and just commit to putting together like an actual lineup. so that's that's my laker thing i'm done um seeing the thunder commit defensively and, and they'll be fine there we go okay i i love that you're so optimistic i'm just i'm so emotionally right. drained from the atlanta hawks right now and then them like yeah. if, if well, DeJounte we'll murray gets traded back oh, to we'll the spurs I'm I think I might check out I think I won't be I think in good conscience I can't watch the rest of the Hawks this year I can't do that to myself to trade as much as they did for DeJounte Murray only to reunite him with pop and yeah go ahead on our sorry to interrupt there but I I was curious how you guys feel about a potential DeJounte Lakers deal if if you have to give up Austin Reeves I mean, I don't want Austin Reeves. He doesn't help well, the Hawks. Would, I don't want Austin honored, Reeves. You would be honored to have Austin Reeves on <laughs> I your would it. Okay, Hard yes. pass. What do I need Austin He's Reeves for? best guard. I'm, I'm being very sick. I'm just kidding. Like, what I'm do I want? What team is... What? We can't defend anybody. I don't want Austin Reeves on this team. This. I, mean, I don't I want say, Austin Reeves, Trey Young. I just don't... You get a younger yeah. player on a decent contract okay who can play both guard positions and worst case scenario, you just turn him right over the next season. Like... Uh, We're playing Sadiq Bay, Austin Reeves, Trey Young, and like Listen, yeah, the Hawks are going nowhere no matter what y'all do this off. Like that's that's my thought process. This I just 
I'm just no, saying. I'm I not... don't want to do this. We're not doing the Lakers a solid. This is us doing the Lakers a solid if we trade DeJounte wanna... to Los okay, Angeles. Well, let me let me let me say something. I feel like it would be mostly a solid. It would be interesting though, because I feel that what one thing I think we've seen from the Hawks experience with DeJounte Murray is he's much better. We we kind of knew this already. But yeah. he's much better on ball than off. That's just like he's shooting a three ball. I think he's shooting like a 36, 37% clip. Like he's shooting it better, but it's not like huge volume. And you could tell he's one of those guys who needs to be more on ball. Now he's already doing a your turn, my turn with, you know, he's already doing a your turn, my turn with Trey Young. Now he's going to come over and do that more with LeBron and AD. And mind you, I think that he'll get more of an opportunity just because of where LeBron is right now. Like LeBron can no longer be, you know, full time point guard or, or point guard for large stretches like that. But there's going to be a good amount of time where, DeJounte is playing off ball, and I don't know how effective he's going to be on a team that already is bad with shooting. Like, DeJounte is a decent shooter, but, like, this say Lakers team's horrible shooting. And then, alternatively, on the defensive side of the ball, mind you, I don't know if it's because he's taking on a, a larger offensive responsibility, but DeJounte Murray defensively has not been super great in Atlanta. Like, he's just not. He already has, you know, he's a little thin. Like, he already gives some physical um, – he brings some physical limitations defensively there that just come with him, but he was still a lot more active in San Antonio than he's in Atlanta. So the mm-hmm. hope is if he comes to Los Angeles, is he going to kick that back into gear? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you're playing for, like, a, a, a cellar dweller. Uh, the Hawks are bad, but, like, they're not, like, Detroit Pistons bad. So I, I guess... Depending on which night like, you watch him. Huh? Depending on which night you watch the Hawks. There you go. I almost feel like this is a, a weird analogy to go with, but I'm going with it. Um, mm-hmm. Aaron Aflalo. I feel like he's one of those players where they start off like a really okay. solid role player, Aaron Aflalo mm-hmm. in Denver. Then he went to Orlando, and he was like, you know... Good shit, like good stats, bad team guy. He was more of an, a primary offensive engine, all of that, quote unquote, offensive engine. But mm. you get what I mean. Then he went to Portland and had to like bring his role back to being okay. Bring what you brought when you were in Denver, but also keep a little bit of what you had in Orlando. And like he was already, you know, I want to say he's in his early thirties. Wasn't on the tail end of his career, but he couldn't quite do it. Mm. I feel like Dejounte is one of those guys where he built himself a certain type of way. Then he was in Atlanta, and he was like a star, and he, he's a really solid player. Like, he's a star. He's not a superstar. He's a really solid player. He's not a star. But now you're going on a team where, yeah. Now you're going on a team with LeBron. Not, I can't do it. He, uh, he's he's fine. DeJounte Murray's fine. There you go. I, I would say that. But I'm just saying, like, can he adapt his role in L.A.? And I just think that that is a question. So I don't know if you'd be doing a solid. Like, you would, we'd be getting a better defensive player than Austin Reeves because Reeves isn't good defensively. But it would also come with this whole other set of questions and, and fit issues that – do we really trust Darvin Ham to figure out? I love Darvin, but, uh, you know, a, a great coaching mind I, I have not seen. No, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see. I think DeJounte is getting traded no matter what. I just, I've nothing would surprise me in terms of where he ends up. He's been linked everywhere, and I just don't know what his real value is. Um, I don't think it's going to be what Pascal Siakam gets for Toronto is my guess. I, I don't think it's going to be close to that return. Um, final thing here, y'all. Uh, Vivek, question for you here. Uh, Corbin and I do this every week, and uh, this is a team that I watched a little bit uh, this week in preparation, uh, you know, bouncing around uh, each week, giving more insight to different teams. Um, league pass team right now for the casual NBA fan. Why or why not would you recommend folks tune in and see what the Miami Heat are doing right now? Well, I am a Jimmy Buckets guy, and Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. just came back. <laughs> so uh, that is the number one reason to watch the Miami Heat. Uh, I love watching that guy ball. I, I know, obviously, you know, he kind of cranks it up for the postseason. But, uh, you know, I imagine, especially now coming down the stretch, that he already start to crank things up. So uh, that would be not my number one reason. Obviously, it's unfortunate that Jaime Hawkes uh, picked mm-hmm. up an injury. 
or else uh, he'd be one of my reasons too. Uh, Bam Adebayo has been sensational uh, this season, and you know I, th- I think he'll be right in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, but th- those would be, you know, the obvious choices. I would have loved to shout out Jaime Jaquez, uh, but you're gonna have to wait a little bit to watch him uh, after he picked up, uh, I believe, a groin injury. He's he just looks like a 17 year vet when you watch him. So I'm like the only person watching the replay of Hornets heat uh, yesterday. And like, I'm over here taking notes because like I I'm an unabashed, like LaMelo ball, just super fan. Like I love, he's just always going to be number one for me in league pass. Like if LaMelo ball is on at any given moment, I'm watching LaMelo ball play basketball. He takes some horrific shots. He does some crazy stuff, mm-hmm. but he's so much fun to watch. Like LaMelo ball is must see some of the past. He's just, He's just fun. Like, I just, I can't look away. Like, I wish all the time. Love watching Trey Young play basketball, too. But LaMelo Ball is just so much fun to me. And I'll, I'll the big what if of if the Warriors had just taken LaMelo and not worried about the uh, oh, the man. father and everything else. And you're just, you have LaMelo the last couple of years in Golden State making life easier for these guys. They're getting older and everything else. Mm. Yeah. The, Tyrese Halliburton. Could I add him? See, like yeah. the Halliburton one, I don't hit them as much because like i just don't think every, a lot of teams the drafts, like oh yeah the iowa yeah. state guy obviously he's gonna pan out and do great like, yeah. in the first the lottery that is lamella was like come on now like lamella versus fair. james white like i like, you're overthinking this just just take lamella ball like don't worry about hurting some feelings like um just do it but i just look at yeah i mean I could, uh wow it's always gonna take me a while because yaquez okay you can't hawkes yes hawkes and he's just like a 17 year vet like the way he plays he's not a yeah. rookie he's huge already he doesn't really have a position he rebounds the ball really well he's really comfortable at the rim like he was doing a lot of fun stuff in transition he's so good at just swiping the ball away his defense is just it's one of those things you just have to watch and you're like this guy just impacts the game in so many different ways that the mm-hmm. heat even without jimmy butler they're just not really missing to be like Kyle Lowry is obviously not what he used to be. Um, he's not getting those shots. He's getting, he's getting minutes and uh, he's fine. But I think the other thing with the heat, and I don't know if you agree with this Corbin, Tyler hero is taking the leap. Tyler hero is a really, really good NBA player. And yeah. when the shot, when Jimmy's not there and um, certain lineups that they're running, hi, Tyler hero has a lot on his plate offensively and he is getting shots up, but he's, mm-hmm. He's good. Tyler Hero, I don't know if he's going to be a perennial all-star in this league, but it also wouldn't surprise me because Tyler Hero, I think, is the best I've seen him uh, in the NBA right now. Oh, yeah. He's been very solid this season. He started off hot this year, which, I mean, one is a testament to the growth he's made like as a player, but also his mindset because he was in trade rooms for most of you know the offseason with Damian Lillard. Started mm-hmm. off red hot this season. Obviously, the ankle injuries and other sort of things kept him out for a bit, but since he's been back, he's been great, and he was a big reason why you know the Heat won that game. Um, against the Nets this what two days ago now um, mm. or yesterday um, point being like he has been really really good and so I don't know I still want to improve a, a lot defensively like even within a heat system that you know I think does a good job of, of, of masking certain players deficiencies on that end I think just to be all like I, I want to see some actual two-way play there but the leaps and growths he's the leaps and bounds that he's made on the offensive end and being a guy who can step up while Jimmy Butler right now is taking it you know taking it kind of half speed before the playoffs but inevitably you know, even though Jimmy Butler already has an old man game, he's going to age and just not going to have that gear at all. And to have a guy like Tyler here who can, you know, just enter his prime by that point and can assume a larger role there, I think will be great. And he definitely does seem to have the mental makeup and obviously the growth in his game to do so. 
I think a good is way. Is he the best floater in the NBA right now? Mm. Tyler Hero's floater is the one-legged floater. He did it to the Nets late last night. Tyrese Maxey for me. Oh, can't go wrong there. I, I was thinking Tyrese too. Mm. <laughs> They're just so yeah. pretty. Like, they make yeah, it look so crazy. easy. And it's just from crazy angles, really far out with Hero too. I don't know. Who do you think's further out when they take off and the shot's going up? Is it Maxey or Hero? I might still say Maxi. Uh, Hero does mm. go pretty far, but I don't know. Hero does pretty go pretty far. Maybe I'm just thinking Maxi's flying around all the time. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Every time I Maxie's see him, just a blur. Him. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So <laughs> I feel like he does this instinctively, like off the top of my head. But like, it, it very well could be Hero there in terms of sheer distance. And Maxi will do it off the wrong foot too. Yeah, yeah. That's the oh, crazy he, part. It's like wild. Uh, yeah. yeah, quickly also has a nice one. Quickly yeah. is a decent one. It's not. It's not on the he par does. of the other two, but he's he's up there in that conversation too. Baby um, especially Maxie. since he will shoot it from farther. But I they, think those three actually have a lot in common. They all have a very very similar game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like who over the next let's say next ten years we're gonna end it here on this. Next ten years, who gets the most all stars of Maxi Hero and Emmanuel Quickly in the East? Oh, Maxi. I'm also okay. no Maxie. question, Maxi. Yeah. Okay. The way the dude is a single handling offensive engine on his own, almost. I mean, he's still kind of getting consistent. So we believe it's sustainable, there, but... like what Maxie's doing. It's long-term sustainable. I mean, it's been half the year so far. Yeah, I mean, I so. and, and he's been proving every year. Like, he was a big part last year, even while James Harden ran the show, and now he's doing it. He's been improving his three-point shooting. Yeah, I, I don't see why it couldn't be. The fact that Philly is a plus when Embiid is off the floor for the first time in his career. <laughs> and, yeah. and if you look at Maxi's shooting splits when Embiid is off the floor, like he is carrying mm. those units. It mm. is so impressive what he is doing. Like, you know, someone was asking me, you know, in terms of the quickly uh, Maxi comparison. And I was like, in terms of ceiling, Maxi is probably like a borderline superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd put Quickly's ceiling as like a borderline all-star, mm. which is a big gap, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's why I'd say Maxi quite clearly amongst those three. That's a good comparison too, right now, like, like of where they are and where they could be. I could definitely see that for sure. I like it. Well, Vivek, uh, we loved having you on uh, tonight's show. Greatly appreciate you coming by uh, to talk some Raptors and NBA as a whole. What can the good folks look out from you all across the internet this week? So uh, you can check out my work for Sportsnet. I recently did a top 10 trade targets of the players you know that have been rumored the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Friday, I will have a piece on how OG Ananobi has looked with the Knicks so far. Uh, and mm-hmm. what that means uh, for the Knicks down the road. So you can check that out. Besides that, uh, you can uh, follow me on uh, Twitter at at X, uh, at Viveka M. Jacob. Um, and uh, besides that, I did see, you know, your quick plug for like uh, a story by a colleague or whatever. So I do mm-hmm. want to shout out um, my colleague, Chelsea Late. Uh, she did a story for uh, the Toronto Star on Raptors assistant coach, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Andrade. Uh, a Portuguese legend who played in the WNBA now an assistant coach with the Raptors and just a great story. So you should definitely uh, check that out if you have the chance. I love it. Go do that today if you have not already and go support Vivek on all the different uh, sites that he is writing and appearing on 
each and every day. Corbin, what about you? What can the good folks check out from you over at Round Ball Ramble, Swish Theory, and everywhere else this week? Well, appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, Round Ball Ramble comes out basically every day. I just recapping the night that was in basketball with some fun guests along the way. Um, as far as roster construction, we uh, for Swish Theory, we did this fun, um, 90s like nba hold'em thing where you we took different cores in the 90s who had won a championship and tried to build a team that would be a contending team with them um but the kicker is that all the players we picked could only have one all-star all nba defensive team like in mm. their career so it definitely made not it's a fun exercise but really just team construction conversation um and and more of a, a depth on like how certain players fit um historically which i think is fun um we also had charlie cummings on last week uh talking to golden state warriors so I checked that out. That was fun. And I should have, uh, I contributed to a big board that uh, Swiss Theory is dropping sometime soon. So that'll be out as well. Um, and then last thing to plug, just um, basketball intelligence. I am a part of that. And so uh, we just try to get the best stories in your inbox every day. Uh, and it does take some work, like pulling them up and compiling them. But it's really celebrating good writers and good people in the space. Like obviously one of them, like other people who really just contribute quality writing on the NBA, WNBA, and just making sure that if you are a fan and you want to know the, you know, the, the latest and greatest to check that out as well. But uh, yeah, follow me on the X or on the Twitter at Corbin NBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. That's also me on Instagram, but I'm never posting there, but I just like the followers. So there you go. Vivek Corbin. Thank you guys. As always, Vivek, we'll have to get you back on again soon. Thank you for the time. Stay warm out there. Stay safe. And uh, I'll talk to y'all again very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.